Happy Sabbath, friends. As always, it's always a pleasure to study scripture with all of you. Thank you so much for tuning in, for being with us. I invite you, we'll be in the book of Ephesians, continuing this series on the book of Ephesians. I invite you to open up your own Bibles and study alongside of us. We will be in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 15, going all the way to verse 23. But before we begin, let's invite the Holy Spirit to guide us. Our good and gracious God, we invite your spirit to this place to help us to understand not just the words of scripture, mm -hmm. but to have the power of scripture in our lives to transform us, to help us to see, to understand, to give us the wisdom that Paul is pleading for and praying for, for, mm -hmm. the, for the Ephesian believers. Mm -hmm. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today, we have once again have Pastor Philip with us. Philip, hey, welcome. Friends. Good to see you again. Hey, so, Pastor Joey. I'm so glad to have you here Thank studying you. alongside. I, I've, been, I've been really excited about the book of Ephesians oh, yeah. and what John McVeigh has done here mm. in the lesson. And you had an opportunity to meet him this I past I did. Sabbath, I did. Right? He came to join one of our Sabbath schools here at the church. And uh, the evening before he arrived on Friday, and he joined the Praxis Young Adult Ministry at Night Church. Got to say hi to him. He's our uh, president at Walla Walla. So really grateful for his leadership to young adults on that campus. But also then the ability he's able to minister to everybody, really, with the Sabbath school lesson. So... Yeah. Grateful for him. He's a wonderful man. Yeah, he actually came down to share at one of our Sabbath schools called The Gathering Place. Mm -hmm. um, did he get to share at all at, with about the lesson to at practice? You know, or? I didn't even know he was going to come. He yeah. just happened to sit in the back. I was like, oh. wait a minute. I think I know who this guy is. Yeah. I, I met him a long time ago when I was up in the Pacific Northwest yeah. and uh, had a really nice conversation with him back then. And so I was able to talk to him this time. And so we just acknowledged him and he stood up. He said hi to everybody. And uh, then we went on with the rest of our program. But yeah, I should have. I should have. That would have been a good <laughs> idea. Hey, come up here. You know, I didn't want to put him too much on the spot. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I know he's a very busy man. But um, Dr. McVeigh, if you ever get a chance to come down here again, we'd love to have you here studying scripture with us in this Sabbath school as well. So yes. I don't know if you're ever watching, but <laughs> that, that, would would be, fun. that would be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. So, Joey, what uh, what kind of hits you now as you're getting into this passage? We're, we're moving from chapter one, the first part. Now we're into the second part. Here. Yeah. Yeah. So we started, Paul started with his blessings. He, like we talked about last week, he, he usually starts with a blessing or Thanksgiving. In this letter, he happens to have both, right? Mm. He does a blessing. And the blessing is really focused on himself and God's blessings to him and also Christian believers everywhere. Mm. The Thanksgiving is a lot more targeted on the Ephesian believers themselves. Mm. So mm. these are things that he's thankful for what God has done for them. Mm. So why don't we read through the passage yeah, all the way through and then we will um and then we'll start talking about right. it. Right. Yeah. Do you want to read the first um from 15, it's hard to know where to pause know, because it's sort of a run-on sentence it that is. he does. Why don't you do 15 through like half of um, 19 or okay. 19 and then I'll, I'll go from all right, 20. All right, deal. Beginning in verse 15 of chapter 1. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that can be invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Mm. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him 
who fills everything in every way. Mm. Wow. What a passage. Yeah, it's a powerful passage of joy. Oh, I love this. One thing that just 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 first blush, two two thoughts come to mind. One we already mentioned is Paul is very fond of his run-on sentences. <laughs> I don't know if that was something that Greek teachers taught about, but in his letters, especially if you're reading them in the original Greek, he yeah. has this tendency to just kind of add clause after clause yeah, after clause, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember taking Greek in in uh, seminary, um, the Pauline letters, and um, having to map out the clauses and what is the main clause, what are the subordinate clauses, mm. and sort of trying to arrange all that with Dr. Yeah, che. Yeah. I, I remember doing that because of his run-on sentences. So sometimes it's hard to grasp where he's going in, right. in the English language. Right. right. Um, the second thing that I noticed is the incomparable joy and excitement mm. that Paul has, mm. right? Mm. Paul is going to address some difficult things in this le letter later yeah. on, but he yeah. starts with a lot of thanksgiving and yes. joy yes. about what God is doing in, in people's lives. Yes. And um, again, from the lesson, I, I was struck by the sentence that thanksgiving is at the heart of prayer. This mm. idea that mm. thanksgiving is the language of prayer. So when we pray yeah. for people Thanksgiving should be, it mm. shouldn't just be about the struggle and the mm. challenges and asking mm. for God's help, but also that that Thanksgiving is so important. Why mm. do you think Thanksgiving is so crucial to the the discipleship wow. journey? That's such a such a good point, Joey. I, I think that as an Adventist community, we've got to start praying more earnestly with the Thanksgiving spirit because there's so much, you know, you want to think about negativity and yeah. conspiracy or not a conspiracy, just like Hey, the truth about what is to come in the future, it's its heavy. Yeah. But when you begin with thanksgiving, you're grateful to the Lord for the incredible mercy mm. He's poured out on us yes. and on our community. Yeah. And when we begin with thanksgiving, our heart is raised up and elevated mm -hmm. to kind of keep a positive tone like, Lord, you've been so merciful. Mm. Let me just claim all the things that you've just done in our life. Wow. And you just start stating them outright. The other night I was there with our kids and we started praying and I and I had to stop the prayer. I just realized, wow, kids, you have been so blessed. Yeah. Um, you think of the ways that as a family, we've been blessed. And, and I just start telling them, you've got this and we're blessed because of this. And oh, and I just start naming all the things. And they said, wow, what a blessing. You know, they yeah. just started to think about it because they started actually complain right yeah. before I was praying <laughs> for them. They were complaining, oh, we need to have this, dad, one more, one more thing, one more, you know. I'm like, guys, you've been blessed. Today we did so many wonderful things. And then they said, you're right. And then they <laughs> fell asleep. You know, I kind of napped there with them on the bed. But, uh, but it just took them a moment. You realize that's yeah. kind of the, the heart of humanity. We start yeah. to get into this complaining yeah. pity party mode. Like, oh, I don't know. And then it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Remember how blessed you really are. Yeah. You know, half the world lives on less than $2 a day. Wow. Struggling for survival just to put get the next meal and we have so much. Yeah. And so when Paul begins like this, I think it's a wonderful way to start, Pastor Joey. So thank you for bringing that recollection to us. Yeah. And you you bring up such a great point how just a little bit of gratitude changes our perspective, yes, right? Yes. And focuses on joy, right? Um, there's that 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 phrase from um, Nehemiah: "The joy of the Lord is our strength." Yes. Right. And whenever I've gone through difficult times or grueling times, just a little bit of laughter, a little bit of joy, it does lighten. It has this power to lighten your heart oh, and yeah. to make the the burden of what you're feeling just seem that much lighter. I've I've had moments when, um, even in moments of deep grief, like at a funeral service mm. or after a funeral service, mm. I, I at times thought it was inappropriate to laugh at at um, after a funeral service when we're grieving. But I've seen that in those moments of deep grief, sometimes laughter is exactly what it's needed, mm, right? Mm, Just mm. that that moment of realizing that there is still joy. In, yeah. in the moment of deep sorrow and mm. pain, that joy is still possible. Yes. That joy, the, the joy of the Lord still remains. Yes. It's so, such a heart-lifting moment. Mm. But you, you also brought up the point that it's sometimes 
hard for us to remember the things that we need to be thankful for. Oh, yeah. Like you talked about your children, oh, yeah. but your children are not the only ones who <laughs> to be thankful, right? I'll raise my hand. I'll raise, I remember there was a season where Elaine and I, was some, maybe five years ago or so, where, and man, it was tough. Moving to a different place and different spot, and you're just like, oh, God, I, this is... This. And Elena started doing something that really hit yeah. us. She said, I've started recounting God's mercy and, and goodness wow. at the end of every day, and I have five things I want to just tell God thank you for. Wow. And so she'd be leaving work, and she'd just say, thank you, God, for this. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And she just had this gratitude experience she would do after after work there in residency and uh it just changed her outlook mm. i could notice it actually in her demeanor over the weeks and she just said god's doing something in my heart as i keep recounting the good things in my life wow yeah it's powerful yeah it's what powerful a, what a powerful practice yeah, yeah, yeah just just something as simple as listing right some of the blessings right. were you one of her Blessings. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I'm sure you will. I hope so. Hey, I want to I want to point out just just the very beginning as we start this this section here. Mm-hmm. He begins by saying something he's grateful for and mm-hmm. that is the community in Ephesus. Mm-hmm. The church community he says for this reason ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord, I and your love for all God's people, I haven't stopped giving thanks for you, mm. remembering you in my prayers. Yeah. That is so important to take note of. Yeah. The community in Ephesus was living out their faith. They were not just, you know, kind of saying, okay, God, hopefully uh, you can use us to do something good in, in our day. And uh, they just kind of go about their business. No, they were adamant to make sure that God's glory would be seen, but were both in their work and their worship in such a way that the message traveled all the way back to Paul. Mm. Hey, God's people are doing something amazing there in yeah. Ephesus. And it's not only impacting the church community, but all God's people. Mm-hmm. All God's people. Your yeah. love for all God's people. That's that's big. Yeah, That's big when our Christian witness impacts everyone around us. Yeah. Instead of living kind of in a quiet demeanor, like, Lord, I'm just, you know, if, if you can use me in anything, uh, but try not to ask me too much, God, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get too stressed out. Don't, you know, but it's just like, hey, God, use my life, my finances, my work, my children, my influence to just bless the world around me. Yeah. And it was so big that it literally traveled in that world where there was no social media, there was no global eyes connections. I mean, someone had to write a letter. Hey, Paul, I heard. Or someone had to travel to reach out to him. That community, you start there in Ephesus, man, they're doing amazing. Mm. They're loving people so well. Wow. Wow. What do you think about that, Joe? Yeah, I, I, I love what you're bringing out that the Christian walk is something that's active. Yeah. You know, sometimes because of phrases like wait on the Lord, mm-hmm. we sometimes feel like we just have to sit. Uh, but yeah. m- many times it's been brought out that waiting is actually an active waiting, mm-hmm. right? It's not mm-hmm. just waiting to for God to act. Mm-hmm. There is an element of that, but also being open to what God is leading you to and seeing what mm-hmm. God is doing in the world around yeah. you and being a part of that. Yes. And I love the, the, the two words that you brought out. These are um, very very um two of paul's favorite words right faith and love uh, right yeah and faith often in pauline letters faith is um how he describes our orientation to towards god mm. it's an act of trust yes. that's the, that's the relationship we have with god and love is our orientation towards others right this mm-hmm. is how we we relate to other people is through love, mm. right? Paul has a very famous passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where he describes what love is. And that's at the heart of wh- how we are to orient ourselves to each other. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I love how you bring out this element that these Ephesians, they were active in both of those realms. They were yeah. they had faith towards God and yes. that was driving their love for their yes. fellow believers. Yes, well, you know, that makes a good point. It's almost like, our devotion, our personal devotion to Jesus mm. transforms how we live in the world around us. Yes. So it's almost like, man, you and I, all of us really have to take note. Are we stressed? Are we anxious? Are we just dealing with difficult interpersonal relationships, both in our family, our workplace, at church? I think we almost need to stop and say, 
how's my devotion to the mm, Lord? How deep is my yes. connection with Him? Am I working out of a, a space of just dryness with Jesus, mm -hmm. which is driving the instability in my relationships around me? Yeah. So our faith, our faith in God should dri will drive or will grow our love for others. Yeah, yeah. And so if we are not growing in love with others, I remember um, John Ortberg, he would always ask the question, well, you can know if you're growing by asking yourselves, am I more patient today than I was mm. yesterday? Mm. Am I more joyous in yeah. my life? Am I kinder mm. in my interactions with people? Mm. Those are challenging they questions, are. They aren't are. they? Yeah. They are. And if those things oof. are not happening, what you're saying is it's not just trying harder to be those things. It's going back yeah. and asking, how's my relationship with God? Yes. Am I... Am I in this faith relationship with God? Am I spending time with him so mm -hmm. that he can grow those things within me? Yeah. I mean, he's going to get to that aspect of the fruits of the spirit. And that really is, is an outpouring or the overflow yeah. of remaining with Christ, abiding yeah. in Christ. You know, it, it reminds me of something I, I happened to find in uh, William Barclay's commentary on, uh, on the book of Galatians, mm -hmm. actually. Um, Galatians is another book of Paul's, but there's a story just that kind of hit me in this section that I think speaks to this idea of, of your love for God's people, all of God's people, and where that love has to start. Though. Mm. Here's the story. Uh, Kipling was a famous, has a famous poem called Mulholland's Vow. Mulholland was a cattleman on a ship. A storm broke out, and in the storm, the steers broke loose. Mulholland made a bargain with God that if he saved him from the plunging horns and hooves, he would serve him from that time on. When he got safely to land, he proposed to keep his part of the bargain, but his idea was to preach religion where no one knew the Lord. Then came God's command. Back you go to the cattle boats and preach my gospel there. God sent him back to the place that he knew and that they knew him. Our Christian witness, like our Christian charity, must begin at home. Hmm. Oof. Wow. Must begin at home. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we want to do wonderful things for Jesus. And I think sometimes I... I actually was brought to tears reading a book just recently as it reminded me how much my loving in those dirty diapers and the messy dishes and, yeah. you know, screaming kids at times and the joyous laughter as I swing the kids and play there and talk with Elena in the evening. Just, just the love that happens at home being the central place where the blessing emerges as we recognize, wow, loving those nearest us must be the place where we begin. Yeah. You know, the mission fields are there. Mm -hmm. The the people are always in need around you. There's a homeless person. There's this person and they're always there. But am I loving first where God planted me the nearest? Wow. Oh, this, this hit me. Yeah. I realized like that is what the people of God have to do. Yeah. I think Paul kind of brings that out. Hey, you're loving God's people well first. Yeah. You know, you're loving those nearest you first. Yeah. And that that can sometimes be harder, right? Oh, yeah. Because it's one Absolutely. thing to show love to somebody once and you never see them again, Yeah. right? But to love someone and be loving to someone, mm -hmm. of course we love our families, but to be loving and kind and patient and joyful with people that every day you are around, mm -hmm. that day in, day in, right, uh, they know everything about you, they know all of your irritating, irritating points. Right. They may repeat the same habits that bother you over and over yes, again. Yes, yes, right? they do. And there is no award given for, I mean, sometimes we get these monks that say the greatest father of all time. Or something <laughs> like that, but there's really no awards. There's no recognition for being a loving husband or a yeah. loving father. And yet, that is the primary place mm. that God places us, like you mm. said plants us mm -hmm. to love yes and perhaps that's the place that we learn how to love the best oh yeah that's such a good point you know joey i i am i am hesitant to to 
to say, you know, my children will walk with the Lord all the days of their life. Mm. I hesitate to say that. I pray that happens. Mm. But I know the countless ministry families that their kids are not walking with Jesus. And sometimes it isn't because the parents did anything wrong. Mm. But there are times when, yes, the, the mom and dad driving themselves in ministry have sacrificed their home life mm. for the yeah. sake of loving those outside first. You know, my wife said this to me a couple of times. And it, it, it paused me. She said, you're so eager to pick up the phone to help someone at the church, but are you ready to help us here right now wow. with what we need? At this, wow. ooh, she said that a couple of times, yeah. and I said, oh, man. So I had to kind of restructure some things and in, in how I do work. I can't always have my phone. Here, my phone rang just a bit earlier. Can't have my phone always on and next to me. I got I started putting it in a basket wow. at the door. Hey, I don't even know where my phone is. And Lena's like, I think you probably put it in the in basket. Okay, let me go. Yeah. You know, we thought of getting iWatches, and I was like, no, 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 Philip, that's the last thing you need. No one needs to <laughs> another, do it. <laughs> another thing tethered to your arm. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Oh, that's a good woman right there. Yes. Uh, and she I is. think God God places our spouses in our lives to help remind us of the perspective and the importance of creating these boundaries. Yeah. Because without boundaries, you you are not truly able to love mm-hmm. effectively, mm-hmm. right? If you have those boundaries where anybody can intrude on our time, yeah, then we're not able to show that love. Absolutely, and it's yeah. it's not fair to those nearest you yeah. to always be available to the world around, but they don't have that quality time with you. Yeah, you know. So, young parents, man, I just want to encourage you, put that phone down. I remember reading Time magazine actually saying that parents are more distracted on their social mm-hmm. media and the telephone. Than the their kids. kids. Yes. So <laughs> I say that with all humility because yes. I know I've been that parent. So that's true. But that was just the first section, Joey. There's more yeah. to come here. Yeah, and Paul continues and he, he connects these this idea that they are there. They he thanks God for the fact that they are faithful and they're loving, that they have faith in God and they have love for for mm, each other. Mm. But then he asks for more, mm, right? In verse 17, mm, he continues, mm. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit mm. of wisdom and revelation. So he's praying for the spirit of wisdom, wow. revelation and wisdom wow. so that you may know him better. So he's Oof. longing for the spirit to enter their lives so that they can know God better. Mm. And then he continues, and it's related to that. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So connected to that idea of wisdom and revelation, mm. the spirit is giving them wisdom and revelation. And that means that their eyes are, are eyes of their heart are enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance mm. in, in his people and his incomparably great power for us who believe, right? Wow. So, so he, he connects these ideas that the spirit comes, gives us wisdom and revelation, and that's supposed to open the eyes of our mm. heart. So when you hear that mm. phrase, Open the eyes of your heart. Wow. What does that mean to you? What is the Spirit wow. doing wow. for wow. us? Yeah, I mean, you know, Paul talks about the mystery of God regularly. Yeah. And I think of the need for revelation when we consider what is that mystery. Paul then yeah. goes on to explain, hey, the mystery is the, the work and ministry of Jesus. Yes. You have been able to understand the mystery. Yes. So I think it is first to recognize what is that work of Christ that he's done in us? And he's going to go on explaining that mystery. Mm-hmm. And so he wants the believers to understand that more in-depthly yeah. for a reason. Yeah, It will do something in you when you recognize the gravity and the power of what God came to do in your life. Yeah. Oof. That's so powerful. I want that. Yeah. I want that more. I want to know the depth of God's love for me. I want to know the depth of what... He came to this earth for. Mm -hmm. I want to know that mystery of the salvation experience for myself, though. Yeah. You know, when I was 19, I became a Christian, I would say, honestly. I grew up a pastor's kid from birth, right? My dad was a pastor for years before I was ever even born. And he continued that when we moved to America. But I didn't have that living experience where the eyes of my heart Mm. were enlightened, the eyes of my mind had always been on. I was there on the church doing ministry with my dad, you know, even preaching at 12. Mm. But it wasn't until I started reading the gospel for myself, mm. those first four books of the New Testament, 
And that relationship with Jesus formed in such a way that my heart was just so touched. Yeah. And I would say the eyes of my heart opened and I could wow. see the mystery of God now just for me. Yeah. And I think each one of us has to have that. And Paul's yearning for these people. Hey, I want you to know something deeper that you would be so enlightened. I know the work you did. Mm -hmm. People around you are impacted, but there's more. Mm -hmm. You know, we think of people as the age in the Christian journey, and you're like, what more could there be for me, God? I've been at church for so many years, for all these decades. Is there more for me? Mm -hmm. There absolutely is. You've only tapped the surface. Mm -hmm. All those great things you've done, all those wonderful things you've learned, there is more. Mm -hmm. Wow. That yeah. hits me, Joey. It does. That hits me. And I love how you bring out this idea of the mystery of God, because like you said, <clears throat> it is a theme throughout Paul's letters, especially in the book of Ephesians. He's going to be talking about this over and over again. And he talks about how you now see what centuries of believers before you, before Christ mm. came, were longing to understand. Yeah. Like, what is the salvation wow. of God going to be, wow. right? Wow. And so he, he's pointing back to that. But you also make a great point that that mystery of the work that God does is not just in the past. It's mm. not when just when Jesus came. Mm. That is that is a focal point of what Paul talks about. But the mystery is also understanding what God is doing in our lives mm. now, right? Great point. And, and that I love this connection you made with the opening of the eyes of your heart versus just the mind mm. that that is experiential. Like mm -hmm. when you, you have to experience and live that out for that understanding mm. to come. So it's not just an intellectual understanding. That's a part of it, right. but it's also an emotional and a experiential yes. understanding yes. of what God is doing in our lives Absolutely. and the acceptance of that. I'm reminded of um, Jesus's parable in, in the book of Matthew of um, the, the, the um, servants, the um the un unforgiving servant mm, right mm. and how this this servant was offered so much grace by his master he owed 10,000 talents which yeah. was a million yeah millions. it was yeah. gazillion dollars right yeah. because scholars make the point that 10,000 was the largest number that they actually had a term for and then um uh, talent a talent was the largest amount of wealth or large, largest um, measure of wealth that they, so this is an astronomical sum that wow. he owes and it kind of makes you wonder what he did to get in that much debt <laughs> but this is this is what countries owed right this is an astronomical wow. sum and he's forgiven that and then he goes out after he's forgiven that and he he somebody uh, who owes him a hundred denarii, which is not an insignificant amount because mm -hmm. that's like three months of, of wage. Wow. So it's still a wow. significant amount, but much less than 10,000 talents, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And when that man asks for forgiveness in, in the exact same way that he asked the master for forgiveness, he has no mercy on him. Mm. And so Jesus concludes that, you know, that, that man is eventually thrown into jail. But... He concludes that by saying that you have to ex you have to experience the forgiveness of God in your heart, mm. right? Mm. This idea that it's not enough for us to just to understand that we're forgiven, yeah, but to but to actually experience Good. the forgiveness of yes. God, yes, and feel the full weight of it, and not mm. just think. Oh, this is just, you know, uh, Jesus just had to erase this thing and it, it's fine. Mm. But understanding what it took mm. and the cost of that forgiveness mm. for ourselves. Mm. And, and then we are more able to offer that kind of forgiveness mm. for others. So that opening mm. of your heart to see yeah. what God is doing for, yes. for us. Well, that's powerful. I think I'm way more generous with people when I can see my own sinfulness mm. and kind of have that empathy emerged the feelings yeah. wow wait a second i gotta i gotta i gotta be careful here let not pride move me into judgment too quickly because i have been there yes you know uh what a great connection joey you make in this now there's another key word i remember you mentioning to yeah. me as we were we were kind of preparing here he gets and he ends with this idea of power yes What's that all about? Yeah, that's a good question because that really is becomes the theme for the second half of this, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is emphasizing how powerful Christ is. So before we get into answering that, let's read that that next yeah. section yeah. 
um, and then we can talk about it. Sure. Right? Starting with verse 19, and his incomparably great power for us. So he's saying um, that your heart may be enlightened to the glorious inheritance, uh -huh. right? And the incomparably great power for us who believe. Mm. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead wow. and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Wow. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that can be invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Wow. And God placed all the things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, mm. which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything mm. in every way. So just, mm. just mm. really glowing terms about the incomparable wow. power of God, wow. right? So what is that power? Whew. I mean, I first take note that Paul continues his high Christology. Mm -hmm. He continues to give Jesus an elevated place. Yeah. It doesn't diminish him. Oh, I just talked about him a little bit. No, he's like, let me bring him up again. And let me make sure you all know he's above it all. Yeah. There is no kingly power, no great thing you can do. He is above it all, yeah. above everything for the church. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think this power first has to also come into recognition. It says... It's that same power yes. that happened at the resurrection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes me pause for a moment. What what is that referencing here? Is it is it referencing the new life? Mm. Is it referencing a miraculous literally manifestation of God's power, you know, a miracle to occur? Is it is it referencing a power that can bring dead to to life like what i'm not even sure here where where he's going what he's thinking yeah i mean th that's a great point about he starts by describing that this is a power that had the power to bring someone back to life yeah and if you think about that kind of power i mean there's some powerful things that i've witnessed right i've yeah. seen the power of um i've seen the power of a ball on a crane when they knock down a building right We've seen the power um, videos of the power of the um, the nuclear bomb, mm. right? That that devastated Hiroshima, right? Um, and just the mushroom cloud that goes up—that's tremendous mm. power. Oh yeah. But compared to a power that can bring the dead to life, Oof. I mean, that's there is no power like that on earth, mm. right? And I think that's that's Paul's point here, because um, as 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 uh, Dr. McVeigh notes in his um his study he paul seems to be comparing that to a power that was commonly invoked in the in ephesus because the F mm. the ephesians in the city of ephesus was a central place for a certain type of magic uh -huh. right and so there's a there's a quote um that's that comes from clinton e arnold power and magic the concept of power in ephesians he writes, the overriding characteristic of the practice of magic throughout the Hellenistic world was the cognizance of a spirit world exercising influence over virtually every aspect of life. Hmm. The goal of the magician was to discern the helpful spirits from the harmful ones and learn the distinct operations and the relative strengths and authorities of the spirits. Hmm. Through this knowledge, means could be instructed with spoken or written formulas, amulets, etc., for the manipulation of the spirits in the interest of the individual person. Hmm. With the proper formula, a spirit-induced sickness could be cured or a chariot race could be won. So it was all about manipulating the spirits to try to get them to do what you wanted them to do. Hmm. And part of the way was to invoke their name, which is why hmm. Paul writes that that he that Christ is far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that can be invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Wow. So he's making a comparison to the power of Christ huh. and comparing it to all of the other powers that people believed in, mm. that all these different spirits had. Mm. And he says, you can invoke any one of these spirits. You can try to manipulate the world through the means of invoking them, through amulets or saying their names. But Christ, the mm. power that brings back to life, mm. is tremendously more powerful, as, as more as 10,000 talents is, than 100 denarii. Wow. Wow. 
this power that Christ has and that you have now access Ooh. to. Whoa. That is at your fingertips. Wow. That's how powerful it is. I like the word that he uses here as you bring that context. And he says, it's incomparable. Yes. Incomparably great. Yeah. So you've seen all this power here in Ephesus with what the magicians are doing, sorcerers. But it cannot even compare yeah. to the power that's in Christ yeah. and in God, rather, to, to raise Christ, you know. I think there's something for us to consider as we as we move from just recognizing, hey, Paul is praying for them that they would have more. And then we have the experience of Paul also encouraging the believers, hey, when someone is sick, mm-hmm. bring the elders forth mm-hmm. that you might anoint them and pray over them. Yes. Why? So that you might experience that same thing that God did on behalf of, for all creation to experience new life, that others might experience it through you too. We're given access to that. I think that's a, wow, that's an intimidating reality. And yet I wonder how frequently we actually even pray for people with such authority to say, God, I know that you can bring new life here. I know that you can bring health from illness. I know that you can restart this marriage. I know that you can bring financial blessing from this debt. I know, God, that you can bring healing in this work relationship. God, I know that because you raised Jesus from the dead. And if you raise Jesus from the dead, you can bring new life in my life and in these situations. Wow. I would love to run to that feeling and experience more often in my life. Yet I seem to find myself falling into a doubt or or fear or just anxiety. Oh, this situation is overwhelming. I want to be able to run to that first in Christ as opposed to where I normally run to. Yeah. So what do you think makes us so hesitant to invoke mm. the power of God, mm. to to actually access that power that because Paul is praying for at least for the Ephesians, he's praying that their the eyes of their hearts may be enlightened so that they may know that incomparably great power, mm. right? Mm. He wants them to understand that they have that great power in Christ, right? Yeah. So what makes us what makes us hesitant to actually access that power? I mean, I don't know if we believe verse 21. Hmm. He says, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. Yeah. I don't want that just for you guys, but I want that for every believer that comes after yes. you. Yes. I don't know if we believe that. Yeah. It's like, wow, I heard about those miracles back in the Bible. I heard about their experience back then. Hmm. Those are wonderful. Wow, I believe those. <laughs> but could he do that today? Yeah. yeah. I think that's the first thing. We don't acknowledge the reality that God wants to move in similar ways. I say that with all hesitance. I don't know the way God wants to move in specifics. But I do know that God has given us the ability, as his word declares, that power is available to us today still. Mm. And so as a result of that first there must be an acknowledgement that it can happen. Yeah. Secondly, I have to have the courage to say, Lord, with you, let's move in this, God. If you yeah. declare in your word that we can do that, let's pray for this. Let's pray for the situation. Let's earnestly seek this situation. Um, but I think the, the, one of the big reasons why I don't go there first is just I don't always see those things mm-hmm. manifested. That's why I think it's so beautiful how you brought up the lesson just in Thanksgiving. I think we need to be sharing those Thanksgivings with people. Mm. Paul writes this so they might read, hey, Mm. hear all the great things that have happened. I think that's why it's so powerful to to share testimonies. Hey, this is what's happened in my life. Mm. This is the great thing that God did. I want you to be encouraged by that. Mm -hmm. Happened uh, to realize that might be a big reason why. We don't. We just don't testify of his goodness. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of great things are probably going on today. Yeah. I think if our viewers, hey, you just kind of chimed in into the chat box and and YouTube and you said, hey, this is what God did in my life. I want you to read that, hear that. It might encourage somebody. Yeah. But I don't think we testify of his goodness enough. Yeah. So sharing those blessings and those thanksgivings in public is not like spiritual bragging so much as it's an opportunity to encourage and say, God's God is at work sure. right now right. in this place at this time right. in my life and right. in your life as well. Yes. God is at yes. work. Have trust. Have faith. 
And that's the hard thing. I mean, sometimes we hear people's story and we're like, oh, God's not doing anything in my life. And you kind of resort to this complaining spirit. Mm. But just just waiting on Jesus to act in his way, in his time, and how he feels is appropriate for us is also a work of faith. I happen to be part of an anointing service just this last week. A lovely woman in our community. And uh, we had the small group pray over her, pastors, elders there, and we anointed her with oil. And there was no miraculous movement of God that we visibly saw. It might be a little bit later, and we're trusting in that. I'm praying for that. But what happened afterwards, people started to recount how God moved in other miraculous ways to share almost this encouragement. And man, I left there just, I felt blessed having been there hearing these other stories of how God, you know, did provide a miracle for someone healing them from cancer. It did provide someone literally getting off a lung transplant list, mm-hmm. uh, did provide for a young child who was sick. I was like, wow, God, that's amazing. Yeah. You did that there. You can do it here. Wow. We're trusting in you. We're placing this uh, at your feet, Lord, do as you will. Wow. But we believe that you're the God who wants to bring health, blessing in people's life. Mm. But again, in your time, in your way. Yeah. But we're asking for it. Yeah. And that was such a blessing. And do you think maybe that's also a part of the hesitance, not just remembering, not just our inability to remember that God is powerful, but also this hesitancy that comes from recognizing that even though we ask, ultimately it's God's decision that he's going to move. And that is biblical, that God Mm. will make that choice, right? Yes. But he still calls on us Mm. to ask. I mean, there's Mm. that parable of the Mm. persistent widow, right? Right. With the unjust judge, where she keeps on asking, keeps on asking, and the judge um, finally says, okay, Okay. have it, because (laughs) I want you to stop asking me. Now, that's not saying that God is that way. He's not like an unjust judge, but God is saying, even if you're not getting it when you ask, mm-hmm. keep asking. Yes. Right? Yes. And God wants us to be bold with our asking. Mm. And maybe we're a little fr- afraid to be yeah. bold. I think the spirit of rejection is hard to deal with. <laughs> yeah. I mean, talk about a guy who's trying to ask a girl out. You're like, oh, I don't know. She <laughs> might say, no, I don't want to look a fool. Ruin you know, I think we have that fear of rejection yeah. with the Lord too. Well, what if he says no? And I ask this, it might just crumple my faith yes it might devastate me yeah young people they get that spirit all the time i know talking with them and it's just but god might not you know it's yeah. like hey let's leave it to the lord but let's ask in faith let's move in that yes. way uh it's a very hard position to get into naturally but i think we've got to get over the fear of rejection we've got to get over the fear of the lord not answering in the way we want mm-hmm when we want but as you're saying just just be bold move in that way let that be your natural lifestyle to just lord i'm i'm at your feet again here this morning lord i'm at your feet again here this afternoon god i'm still here at your feet lord i haven't moved i i need you this is a dire situation you know wow that's a beautiful place to be in i think as a believer then it isn't bad yeah it isn't bad you know talking about thinking about getting over the fear of rejection, that fear is what kept me from what in my youth, uh, from asking people to the, I know you probably don't have that fear because you are an old <laughs> man. But from when I was young, I always had a fear of asking people that are telling girls that I like, that I like them sure. or asking them to a banquet sure. or, or whatnot. But the reason why I am married to the to my wife yeah. is because I had the boldness to ask, right? Hallelujah, had, Joey. <laughs> this past Sabbath, this past Sabbath, one of our members said, you know, whenever I see you and your wife together, I think to myself, how did he get that woman? <laughs> <laughs> and really the only hey, the answer is I was bold enough to ask, oh, right? <laughs> so so there is. There is something there that you yeah. say about being bold. Let's be bold. Yeah. I mean, what's the worst that can happen yeah. if we if we ask and we don't get it, right? Right. right. Um, but if we don't ask, yeah. we cannot receive. Right. Absolutely. That's you what know, God says. Ask and so you shall good. receive. Right. Yes. Go. You know, I think of the fact that people don't come to church as much as they could actually, yeah. because their friends are not asking them to join them at church. High percentage, I think it's like 90 some percent of people 
will come to church with you if you ask them at least twice. Mm-hmm. So you have to get over that initial, oh, they didn't come, shoot. But then the, the second ask, hey, I know you were pretty busy that last weekend. Would you consider coming and joining my wife and I, our kids, like the church? We'll, we'll have lunch at our house. You know what? Okay, I'll come. You know, and man, it transforms their life. Yeah, it transforms their life. Yeah, because you're not asking them to do something that is beneficial to you, but not beneficial right. to them. Right. This is asking for something that you really believe is going to yes. be helpful. It'll change their, their eternity. Yeah, that's a huge thing. So I think, hey, single people, go ask those people out <laughs> on dates. But also, all of us as believers. Let's be bold for the kingdom. Bold for the kingdom. Bold, bold to God. The... Bold yes. in asking others, inviting others. Yes. Yeah. You know, speaking of bold, I also think uh, there is this tendency as Adventist believers to be barely Adventist. Hmm. There's a website called. Barely yeah, bare, there is right. <laughs> you know, to be barely Adventist. Like, well, I just, you know, I don't want to talk about. Uh, I don't want to be too weird. Uh, there's this hesitance. Uh, uh, Dr. Jim Walters, he shared with me an article that he just wrote. It's boldly Adventist, mm. you know, this idea that, hey, the premise being just, there's no need to be fearful. Wow. That was how our early denomination, you know, really was forged. The people that were not embarrassed mm. to share and and devote their life to being boldly Adventist. Mm. I just thought that was so good. So I just, I want to, I want to have that in my life. Yeah. I know I'm not always that. Yeah. You know, Joey, you say, hey, you're a pretty bold guy. Yeah, I get scared, too. I get scared, too. <laughs> I've had some fun experiences in my life where I have been bold. I remember preaching in a subway, mm-hmm. you know, and just wow. kind of preaching there. A buddy of mine, he he was doing that in New York. And I said, you know, I'm going to try that. We went on a little trip to Chicago, and there we're on the subway. And I just said, friends, I have to share something with you that I think <laughs> oh, is just wow. so important for all of you to know. And I, for 30 seconds between the two stops... I shared the gospel for a 30-second stint. Wow. And one gentleman in a suit there in a briefcase, he looked over at me and he said, just just a wink. You yeah. said enough. Yeah. He was like, I believe you. I'm on that, kid. So those are moments when, hey, maybe that's a radical way to be bold, but but let's let's not be afraid of being believers. Yeah. That's the power given to us. That's why I don't believe you when you say that you have fear because, <laughs> because I would not even think about doing oh, something like man. that. Wow. Yeah, but... Yeah. but Yes, you have the boldness to overcome. overcome wow, okay, okay. I mean, in that moment, but there are many I don't. <laughs> many times I don't. Yeah. So. But it's it's this recognition of the power of God, right? Yeah. If it's by being bold, we are having faith. We're demonstrating faith mm. in the power of God mm. to transform lives, yeah. to change lives, yes. to, to heal, yes. to grow, that we are exhibiting that faith. And there's a thing about faith that the more it's exercises, the more it grows. Yeah. And the more the eyes of our hearts will be mm. opened, the mm. more we are bold mm. in, in that power. And I want to end with this idea of this power now and for the age to come. Mm. And a lot of times, you know, when we talk about magic and, and all of that that happened in that day, it's hard to relate because most of us don't believe in magic sure and and yet and yet there are powers that we run to instead of running to the power of god mm. right mm. there are other powers that we sometimes believe are more powerful mm. and there are things like even ourselves that we will run and to our own power our own knowledge our own abilities yes. before we'll run yes. to god yes right and yet what what paul seems to be saying is recognize that no matter how powerful you may be or how much influence you have or how powerful the government may be or how powerful um, um, how powerful um, a, a machine or, or technology or, or even um, medical science may mm, be, mm, as mm. powerful as those things are and mm. as good as they can be, mm. the power of God is incomparably good. Yes, yes. So be bold. Oof, that's huge. Yeah. You know, I'm reminded of this Friday. We did uh, an anointing over a young lady who was actually involved with spiritualism mm. at a pretty heavy level. Wow. In the occult, I mean, she was literally seeing uh, seances. She was seeing visions being teleported as she was telling us the story. She was selling her blood to wow. Satan. Literally, like, there's communities wow. that she was at and and tarot card readings and 
paying money to people to help her do kind of uh, spells. I mean, I was just like, wait, what in the world? No, she said, Philip, there's a whole community for this. Mm. And I'm reminded just how people will run to these things. As she said, mm. it it felt like I was able to actually do something mm. in a way that my mm. Christian testimony couldn't bring me the power I needed to do what I needed to do. Wow. And I was just brought to my knees just thinking, wow, Lord, this is real. Mm. It is. And, and our young people are at attack in that way. Mm. You know, there are people that are going to these places regularly. Yeah. And so when we think of, you know, we might have some power. But then there's also dark power that people yeah. do want to seek out because they want to change events and circumstances. But how incredible is it mm. when we as believers know that Jesus is that great power that is over all things, yes. that is over that kind of darkness, that can genuinely bring life transformation. Wow. And we were able to pray over that young woman, to anoint her, to pray over that, just that God would continue to bring cleansing from any of those yearnings for that to yeah. see that Jesus has more than yes. in her life. And she's been in this deliverance for months now. Her testimony is going to be powerful when it comes out. Just she's, she's had to share much just because she senses that there's still yeah. a journey she's on. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Joey. We have access to that in Christ. Let's not run to our own strength or any other forces or dimensions, but Jesus has it all. Jesus has it all. Amen. And what a great way to end. Philip, will you pray for us? Yes, let's pray. Amazing God, thank you so much for the blessing that you are in our lives. God, I pray over my friends who are watching today. Jesus, you know the ways in which you want to reach them today with a word of hope. Mm. Hey, I see what you're going through. Hey, I know what you're what you're experiencing. And I want to tell you, I want you to have more of me than you believe you can have. Whether it's a guilt of past sin, whether it's just simply an unanswered prayer from so long ago, God, I pray you would revive each one of our lives to believe more fully that you have more in store for us. Mm. God, I pray over our young people today and the distractions of this world and the challenging places that they will traverse. Give them the courage to stand up. And give each one of us the courage, no matter how old we are, to be boldly believers, boldly Adventists. Mm. And God, may we, like these early Ephesians, be able to be known as those who pour out their love to the world mm. that others might see and know you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So friends, remember, Jesus has it all. So be bold. Have a wonderful Sabbath.